Welcome to Screw It. We're just going to talk about comics. This is the podcast where two brothers talk about comic books. Uh, I'm one of those two brothers. My name is Will Hines. I am the aforementioned other brother, Kevin Hines. And uh, Kevin and I are performers and teachers at the Upright Citizens Brigade Theater, so we are extremely funny. Mm -hmm. I'm based out of Los Angeles, and Kevin is based out of the New York City area. Um, Yeah, I I work in New York City, though I'm recording in New Jersey, and Will works in Los Angeles, though he is recording in Oslo. I'm in Oslo, Norway right now, teaching some improv classes. Well, I'm not teaching them right now. It would be pretty rude if I busted out a microphone in the middle of class and started recording an hour-long podcast. Although, you know what? If it helped them learn improv, I would do it. I mean, when you got a podcast, you got a podcast. Everyone knows that it's a time-sensitive subject of, like, the Hulk issue for you got to get that done right when you need to get it done. That's a time-sensitive issue. This this comic has only been out for 60 years. That's right. Um, or however long it is. I think longer, right? I did that math 40, quick. Yeah, that's probably about right. 61? Yeah, just about 60. Well, we're going over this season of our podcast. We're going over uh, the first six issues of The Incredible Hulk, which was published in the early 60s. And this episode, we're going over issue four, which features two feature-length Hulk stories, The Monster and the Machine and Mongo Gladiator from Space. (laughs) (laughs) Last issue, we covered um, a a huge change in the status quo. These comics, by the way, are by Jack Kirby and Stan Lee, and they were just trying to figure out what to do with the Hulk. The Hulk wasn't selling as well as Fantastic Four, I think, and so every issue was just a new wild pitch to see if maybe this (laughs) will make the Hulk popular. The Hulk becomes so popular, these comics are filled with just desperation of trying to find something that works. And last issue... Rick Jones, teenager, through some bizarre <laughs> confluence of events, becomes the only person who can control the Hulk. Like, mentally, he can control the Hulk to do whatever he wants. And send him telepathic messages. And then also, separately, the Hulk gained the ability to fly, although Stan Lee, who you know who does the dialogue and editing, didn't want him to fly. So he calls it jumping, even though we, the reader, can see that the Hulk is flying. And that gets even more egregious in this issue. The artist wants him to have the ability to fly, but the guy writing the speech balloons doesn't want it to be that way. It's almost like a fun little short form improv game, you know, where yeah. somebody's flying and the other person is making up reasons why, oh, this isn't flying. This is something else. Um, you ever do short form improv, Kev? A little bit, a couple times. Get on that train, I, baby. It's the future. Honestly, when I did it, the laughs were so easy Yeah, that I was just sort of like, oh, why don't we do this? I know. It's like, what? The crowd loves it. It's easy to do. Yeah. What's our, what, what are we hurting ourselves for? Why are we doing long form? A thing that only sometimes works. That's it. I'm calling the UCB's hotline. We're going to change it to a short form theater. But anyway, about Flying Hulk. Um, yes. By the time we get to issue six and Ditko draws, the Hulk is jumping. But through these Kirby issues, the Hulk is flying. But Stanley, who's writing the dialogue, won't admit it. So I guess technically he's not actually flying. It just looks like he is. Yeah. I mean, it looks like he is. And he is. He is. 
The captions are the captions are clearly wrong. The captions are super wrong. All right, the cover shows we got two stories. So the cover is a split screen. On left, we see the monster and the machine. The Hulk is like strapped on into some device with a huge gun pointing at him, sort of like James Bond villain style. And the Hulk is just ripping apart his <laughs> his. Yes, yeah, not containing him at all. And then the second panel is um, Mongu Gladiator from space, and it's just some. As advertised, some gladiator-looking dude who's got thighs almost as thick as his own torso holding a mace and Rick Jones as a hostage. Rick Jones, the teenage sidekick of the Hulk. It's also probably important to note that um, uh, obviously everyone is familiar with the Hulk who becomes the Hulk when he gets angry. Bruce Banner turns into the Hulk when he's angry. Yeah. Uh, the first two issues of this title, it's only he turns into the Hulk at nighttime. Right. And then last issue just doesn't turn back into Banner ever. Right. And so that's also part of the status quo is that he is, he's stuck as the Hulk. He's stuck as the Hulk right now, controlled by Rick Jones. Let's get into this issue, Kev. What do you think of page one, the monster and the machine? Uh, so it starts with, like, the Hulk is already strapped down with, like, um, this device aimed right at his skull, and Rick Jones is operating it, which feeds into my theory that Rick Jones is secretly a super genius. I mean, he does so much cool stuff without Banner being around. He's definitely at least a quick study. I mean, later in this issue, he claims Banner made this machine. I don't know for what purpose, since it clearly is used to help um, this very specific scenario. But regardless of that, if the leading scientist in this world built a machine and put it in this cave and said, Kevin, go operate it, I couldn't do it. I couldn't either. There's no way I could do it. This device looks like sort of a... And I studied engineering. Yeah, you're like a smart person. Yeah, I'm not completely divorced from science, but I had no way to even, I wouldn't even know where to start. Well, part of that is because when Jack Kirby designs a machine, it looks insane. Like this machine looks like sort of a CAT scan machine where you get onto like a, you lie on your back and they like slide you into a tube to like do some imaging of you. Yeah, but it's also got like a giant gun strapped to his skull. The gun itself looks like the alien from Aliens. Like, the gun is so complicated and labyrinthian. Just in, there's like a light bulb sticking out for no reason. The side of the Mm -hmm. machine has at least 15 buttons. And and for Kirby, this is restrained, I guess, to be honest. This is a subtle machine. It's not, like, Reed Richards would have a machine that would fill an airplane hangar. Yeah, this is a machine Reed Richards uses to turn on his machines. But but, uh, Rick Jones is operating this machine with no visible problems yeah what's also cool about this this feels like a pretty modern storytelling technique at least comic book wise that it starts in the middle when we flash back we jump back in time yeah and then the second page is kind of cool because we get our flashback that explains the hulk origin but it's told from the point of view of betty ross the love interest and she does not know that bruce banner is the hulk so she just separately is talking about bruce banner saving a teenager from a gamma bomb, and then coincidentally the appearance of the Hulk on the scene. Yeah, when she spells it all out, it makes her look dumb for not connecting it more directly. She goes, they must be connected somehow. And it's like, yeah, they're clearly connected. You've yeah. spelled it out. She literally says during this um, fl- this retelling of his origin, for when he, Bruce Banner, returned after having been exposed to the awesome gamma rays, Bruce Banner seems somehow different, as though he carried a frightening secret lock within him. And they show Betty Ross talking to Bruce Banner, all his clothes ripped. And the next panel is the Hulk wearing the same clothes. <laughs> yeah, that's right. She should have been able to put it together. Uh, she also talks about how the Hulk would not hurt her for some reason. Almost as if he was someone I knew. Somebody Bruce Banner-like. <laughs> yeah, so she 
all but knows it. And it, the fact that she can't make that last leap uh, is, is a sad state of affairs. Well, you remember her dad is General Thunderbolt Ross, who's not the most careful analyzer of situations. So maybe no. she inherited her dad's kind of surface observation ability. Yeah, that's a fair representation of her. She's um, going to be a great general someday. We're going to see a personality change in her where she grows a mustache, starts carrying a pipe, and just barking orders at everybody. Um, page three, Betty is making the observation that Rick Jones has a connection to the Hulk and also a connection to Banner. And since he's a human being and is still around, she's like, well, if, we, if I want Banner... Or if my dad wants the Hulk, Rick Jones is the key, which is actually something they realized last issue. Yeah, so her telling Thunderbolt Ross and him being like, oh, that's a good idea, is weird because he's had that idea and used it. There's no mention of the fact that they launched the Hulk into space and he came back. Yeah, last issue they launched him into space and he was back like in an hour. He's also been in space like three times. Yeah, yeah. This is one of the few issues he doesn't go to space and he must... He must be getting antsy. He must miss it. And he hasn't slapped Rick Jones in a couple issues. I can't wait for him to slap Rick Jones again. I wish I could slap somebody horizontal. It's like, Will, you want a peanut butter sandwich? No. Bah. Slap. You're horizontal. Yeah. Cross the room. Yep. Crash into the wall. I just get back up. Here are your glasses. Um, (laughs) Page four is interesting. Uh, General Thunderbolt Ross is testing out a new device on the Hulk to freeze him. He's got a missile that, if it strikes the Hulk, it'll encase the Hulk in a block of ice. But his method of testing it is he fires the missile at a Hulk robot, which looks exactly like the Hulk, and flies through the sky. Yeah, like jet feet. I mean, that's a... that This test must cost more money than, like, the entire welfare program of the United States. Who is the scientist who just had to develop the flying Hulk robot... And he's like, ah, I did it. I, a flying robot. It doesn't have wings, but it still can fly. This is a pretty great marvel. What is it using for? We're just shooting it out of the sky. <laughs> well, Kevin, good news. The iceberg missile works. It encases the Hulk in a block of ice. And I think we never see it used after this test. We definitely don't see it used in this issue. That's a guarantee. <laughs> um, so Betty Ross is worried about Bruce Banner. General Thunderbolt Ross could give a crap. She points out that getting Rick Jones will not only find Bruce Banner, but may also find the Hulk, and that interests him. Yeah, so he's he sends the entire army after Rick Jones. Attention, all personnel. General Ross speaking. Find Rick Jones. Top priority. Over and out. Wow. What a use of power. He's a general. When he says all personnel, that's like a couple of platoons, at least, of men. And also, he's speaking into an intercom. I guess it's being beamed out to like, you know, barracks and mess halls all across this army base. Top priority. Um, They must find this kid. They must be like, who's Rick Jones? (laughs) (laughs) Find my remote control. Top priority. Yeah. You must just use it for everything. I need more milk. All personnel. Where's my iPhone headphones? Top priority. (laughs) Missing my right earbud for my AirPods. I'm gonna. We can modernize this comic pretty easily. Just more references to earpods. This is a pretty crazy comic, but if everybody had little white earbuds, I'd be like, you know what? I buy it. Yeah, it would seem real then. We cut to the Incredible Hulk. He's at Rick Jones' cabin. Rick Jones kind of lives a Davy Crockett-like existence, like in a cabin and like kerosene lanterns and stuff. He's got a little sandwich. He's waiting to eat. He's having a good time. He's got a pot of coffee. He's a 19-year-old who likes to percolate an entire pot of coffee for his lunch. 
Yeah, it looks like the kind of pot that you would like make on a wood burning stove. Yeah, he's an out he's an outdoorsy kid. Um, Hulk is standing there zombie-like because he's under his control. Rick Jones looks outside and, and sees just a whole bunch of army dudes approaching his place. Yeah, they're surrounding the house. He orders the Hulk to go up, 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 and the Hulk flies through the wall and up into the sky. But the captions reassure us that he's just jumping. Then, at sudden command from his young master, the mightiest living thing on Earth makes a fantastic leap, powered by muscles so powerful that he seems to be flying. But he looks like he's flying. He's flying. And this is the le- least overt flying in the entire issue. Page six, uh, the army men are questioning Rick Jones. They drag him before General Thunderbolt Ross. There's a second time that's happened in two issues. They yell at Rick to let him know where Banner is or the Hulk. He won't say anything because he's mainly worried. He's like, I don't know how to even make Bruce Banner appear. He's trapped in the body of this Hulk right now. and He doesn't know what to do. We cut to Hulk. The Hulk is flying through the sky, (laughs) swooping down and saving a school bus from being hit by a train. These three panels are so ridiculous. First, he is flying underneath an airplane, like just soaring underneath the arms spread out. I mean, maybe that could be a leap in that first panel. But then he takes a turn in the air, swoops down, pushes a bus out of the way, and then soars back up into the air. Yeah, and the captions are claiming this is a jump. Yeah. And then as his leap begins to lose momentum, his cold, brutish eyes see a foreboding sight. I don't uh, know how you could, there's no amount of muscles that could do that, right? No. I don't care how developed your quads are. You can't maintain flight and then dip down in your trajectory and then go <laughs> back up. You know, I, I don't care how much you're flexing your calves. You can't gain lift in the air. Well, this Hulk did it. Um, then they go to a movie set. So the Hulk <laughs> this goes to a sequence movie set. is so weird. This Le- whole sequence. Jack Kirby so the Hulk loves the movie bus. sets. There's always movie sets, but this is t- this this whole comic takes place around an army missile testing base in the desert, like yeah. in either Arizona or New Mexico. This is also where the Green Goblin films his movie, right? Oh, is it the same place? I mean, it's out here. They flew out west, and the Hulk was there. And they ran into the Hulk, yeah. So I guess there's a lot of movie sets around Roswell or wherever they're testing these missiles. Uh, I mean, this whole sequence is so random. It's just a bunch of things. We also, it was established last year when Rick Jones doesn't give the Hulk commands, he sort of rampages or stands still. But this Hulk is just making decisions on his own that are random, like he saved that bus. Yeah, which we've never really seen the Hulk be like a superhero of his own volition before. Mm Mm-hmm. We've seen him restrain himself from hurting people. Yes. Um, then he shows up in a movie set. There's a woman who can't act scared enough for the director. But then the Hulk is standing behind the director and she starts screaming. And he's like, that's it, baby. You're doing fine. Keep it up. I never knew you could act so good. <laughs> right. But then they notice that the Hulk is destroying their entire lighting rig. And then the, and the director goes, holy Hannah, she wasn't acting. Let me out of here. Run for the hills, boys. A real Hollywood director would be like, that's five. We're back in five. Yeah. And then the Hulk goes to the studio <laughs> commissary. <laughs> Seems goes, like we're making this up. He just walks up to the cafeteria, all casual, grabs, a, demands food, and then grabs a vat of some glop and just pours it on his face. He's drinking this glop. The chef is running away. <laughs> Then they, then the crew, it's got to be a union crew, because I don't think a yeah. non-union crew would be this devoted. Um, they wouldn't sur- have as many guns. Surrounds the Hulk with guns and nets, and they're getting ready to, like, subdue him. This is kind of rad. 
and the Hulk claps his hands overhead, and that makes a big like sound explosion that flattens all of them. And that's a very fun Hulkish thing to do. Yeah, this must be the first time he does that move, which he does a lot. Kirby's pretty good about that. He always tries to invent like new ways for heroes to use their powers. And one and of the, the ways he the, does that is by giving them new powers. Because in panel and three and four, the Hulk for sure flies into the sky and soars over the city. Yeah. Like this the the leap I mean he can he has his arms spread out like wings. He leaps off the ground, according to the caption, and then flies horizontally for miles. <laughs> Uh, he's coming to Rick Jones because Rick Jones has summoned him, Rick in the back of an army jeep, and the Hulk is approaching, and they see the Hulk approaching in a rearview mirror, which does look pretty cool. It looks cool, but he looks like he is flying. He's definitely flying. Then the Hulk swoops down into the jeep, grabs Rick Jones, and <laughs> flies back up. There's so much flying in this issue. <laughs> this issue, he just flies all around. I mean, you know what? If I could fly, I would be flying this much too. And then panel two, he's, he flies, changes direction, swoops around, to his cave where there's the undersea like chamber that they can lock the Hulk in. Yeah, that big sea in uh, New Mexico. <laughs> yeah, next to the, the very famous huge body of water in the middle of New Mexico. They will go down into the chamber. The Hulk is under Rick Jones' command. And here's where we get to the machine that we saw on the splash page, the one that supposedly Bruce Banner built at some point in his spare time. Yeah, this is nine pages into the story. Most of the story has just been the Hulk doing random things. <laughs> So Rick is, you know, he's got to use this machine and he tells us, the reader, that he doesn't quite, he's not sure he knows how to use it right, but it involves blasting the Hulk with radiation. And it, it is could, the first moment of doubt Rick Jones has had with any scientific equipment. And he's got an instruction manual. So Bruce Banner not only built a device, <laughs> but he wrote and got bound because <laughs> it's like a paperback yeah. book, a yeah, full right. instruction manual. And it's tiny sized, like Rick's yeah, holding it in one hand. This is the paperback version. He wrote the hardcover instructions six months ago. Uh, but, you know, he wants to, you know, you got to keep getting those sales. He asked the Hulk and he, he's, he looks at the Hulk and he's trying to talk to Bruce Banner's trapped inside him. Should I try? And the Hulk, at some struggling, goes, try, Rick. And so it's Banner talking to Rick Jones from within the Hulk's body. This comic is bonkers, but every picture of the Hulk is beautiful. The art is good. I mean, it's it's just like the world's best cinematographer said, I'll write the script. Uh, it's like if Terrence Malick just had like Brad Pitt fly all over the tree of life. You'd still be like, ooh, pretty shots. Yeah. Um, so Rick Jones kind of stumbles through this device but uses it completely perfectly. And the Hulk changes back to Bruce Banner. And so now he's Banner again for the first time in some time. And he's quite weak. Somehow being trapped as the Hulk has either weakened his body or maybe this the machine maybe weakened him by transforming him back. I mean, this is the third time uh, Banner has been dosed with radiation in what, like four months? How, you know, however, the time period this comic takes place, he, he, a bomb exploded in front of him. Then he went into space through a cosmic ray belt. It wasn't called cosmic, but some sort of radiation belt. And now this gun is spraying him with stuff. And I mean, directly. <laughs> He's in a wheelchair, he's hobbled, but he's grateful to at least be back. Mm -hmm. And he tries to make some adjustments that will allow him to change back and forth into the Hulk of his own volition. And first try, it works. Yeah, it works perfectly. Um, so he makes a couple of adjustments to this device that Rick Jones is using, and it turns him back into the Hulk, but he gets to keep his banner brain. The Rick doesn't know that at first. Rick assumes he's going to get slapped, I think, initially. 
because on the top of page 12, Rick is cowering in front of the Hulk. Yeah, the Hulk's lumbering towards him, and Rick Jones is like, it's no use, he's out of my control. I'm cooked. (laughs) (laughs) Like, all these teenagers, they sound like Stan Lee. They sound like a 45-year-old guy writing comics at some point. Um, But then the Hulk is uh, under Banner's, you know, Banner is in control of the body. Yeah, he picks up uh, Rick and he, like, shakes him around with excitement, though Rick looks terrified about that. Yep. And the Hulk says, Rick, you wonderful, loyal, empty-headed kid, I did it. The ray works. Empty-headed? Hold on, Banner. Yeah. Empty-headed? He hacked into uh, NASA's controls last issue in one panel. I think he's pretty smart. Give him some credit. Um, but Sorry, what we find what we, fi- what we find out here is that, yeah, it's Bruce Banner, but it's like his personality has changed when he's in charge of the Hulk's body. Like he's kind of a mean, bullying Bruce Banner. Yeah, uh, Rick thinks to himself, I'm worried. He seems to have Dr. Banner's brain, but he sounds fiercer, crueler. He still seems dangerous. It's interesting. You, like There'd be the temptation, I would think, just to make him like just this monstrous-looking nice guy like the thing. But it's a wise choice to make the Hulk still slightly out of control. Yeah, he doesn't really sound like Banner. He 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 sounds more like the thing. He sounds kind of angry. He sounds like he's from Brooklyn, you know. Um, Yeah, I mean, which is the way Stan Lee makes somebody seem relatable. Yeah, he also like laughs more. Like he just says, you know, he's like, "I can do anything, anything," (laughs) which is not very Bannerish. Um, he heads out and immediately starts saving people. I'm sorry. Go ahead. It's just a smart. It's just a smart choice. I think. Like you yeah. don't want to lose the one fun thing about this comic, which is that people that the Hulk is a monster. He isn't. He isn't like the thing who looks like a monster. He is legitimately a monster. Yeah, you want that menace. Okay, so the Hulk now with Banner in control goes out and just immediately starts saving people. There's a fire. And the Hulk uh, rips away the part of the house that's on fire and throws it and then saves the people. <laughs> Which is a crazy way to put out a fire. Yeah, he rips away half the house. But it works. He saves the family. Yeah, but then they see him and they scream and run away. They start shooting at him, so he flies away. Yeah, flies away. That, that flight, the take- takeoff looks jump-like, but by the next page, uh, which I guess is page 14, he's flying again. And then um, he goes back to his chamber and uses the ray to turn himself back into Banner successfully. He's weak again and he goes to sleep. And that's where we end the first story. And he's created this device that is very memorable to me where it's like a platform you stand on and there's toe-operated buttons. Yeah. So the gun sort of aims at this platform and, and the Hulk stands on it or Banner stands on it. And he can push a button with his toes and the rays will shoot him and turn him either from Banner into the Hulk or Hulk into Banner. I remember it too. It's very memorable. It's very cool. Jack Kirby's got a good sense over what a kid will like notice. And I remember noticing that device. Yeah. And he uses it again next issue a few times. And I'm for sure it's one of those things that comes back in later comics. Um, Cause it's such a cool looking device. And I don't know, it is a fun thing that exists in the Hulk universe. Hey, it's us again, your hosts, Kevin and Will Hines, and we want to hear from you. That's right. You can email us at screwitspidey at gmail.com. You can tweet at us at screwitcomics. We also have an Instagram account where we post images from the comics that we talk about, and that's screwitcomics on Instagram. That's three different ways to connect with us. Tell us your thoughts about the issues we're talking about, or the format of the show, or our life choices that have led us to this point. 
reach out and tell us anything, honestly, and we might talk about it on a future episode of this podcast. Thanks for listening to Screw It. We're just going to talk about comics from Campfire Media. Um, page one of our second story of this issue, Kevin, the gladiator from outer space. Um, we see a big spaceship. So we know we're yes. for an alien story. That's right. Which we just had two issues ago with yeah. the Toadman. Toadman, yeah. Um, first page of the story gets right to the point. Spaceship lands in a park. <laughs> the top of it opens up. A dude climbs out and declares himself, I am Mongu. He's an alien planet and a planet that mirrors Earth's gladiator-like culture, which Jack Kirby loves to have happen. Yes. Um, Mongu is a hilarious name. <laughs> Yep. He has like a big mustache. He looks like a Mongol warrior. Yeah, so this alien land is influenced by Genghis Khan, but I guess I don't know how they would have heard of him, but Yeah. Um we cut to Banner's lab and Rick Jones is watching TV and it was like, Hey Doc, look, look at this. Some kind of monster just landed in the park. Yeah, and the monster wants to fight somebody, assuming that person can wield a two ton axe. That really narrows down who you're talking to. Yeah, it's basically the Hulk and the Thing, and I guess maybe Thor. So he wants to fight one of the big dudes. Um, um, Mongu is threatening, and so Banner knows he's got to do something, and so he gets onto his device and turns himself into the Hulk. That's right. First he changes into his little tight purple underwear. Uh, Smart. He doesn't want to rip up any more clothes. Yeah, it's great. He's really saving a lot on uh, what he spent on gamma radiation uh, weaponry. He's saving on wardrobe. It's frugal. I appreciate it. Hey, he's the smartest, he's also the smartest man in the country. Oh, yeah. The next panel, he's chartering a jet, and he and Rick fly and land a jet on the top of, like, a South Dakota Mesa or something like that. Which is also just a weird choice for Kirby. First of all, the Hulk is flying this jet, if you look at it closely. Oh, right. Which is funny. But also, like, in Kirby's mind, the Hulk can fly. Yeah, why do you need a jet? Yeah. It'd be easier to get on this Mesa by flying or jumping versus landing a chartered jet. I don't know. It's crazy. Um, but not the craziest thing in this story. No. Um, so the Hulk starts to fight Mongu, grabs Mongu's axe, and finds out that it's not a real axe. It's phony. It's like made of paper mache or something. Yeah, this whole thing is an elaborate hoax is what the Hulk realizes. And then a bunch of communists climb out of the spaceship and surround the Hulk. Communist, the worst villain in 1960s Marvel comics. Yeah, and then page six, out Mongu's chest opens up and another communist climbs out of Mongu. <laughs> but at least now it makes sense like why they knew about Mongolian like culture and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, I mean, this is so bonkers. <laughs> so they surround the Hulk and Rick Jones and Rick uses, um, sorry, the Hulk uses another power he hasn't used before, which is like a foot stomp where he like jumps up and then comes right back down with such force that everybody's knocked over. Yeah. Here's a little Stan Lee action too. Uh, there's no images of Rick Jones during that sequence, but they have the Hulk like warning Rick Jones that he's about to do it so that Rick doesn't get affected by this foot stomp. I think Kirby probably just didn't think about that. Yeah. Kirby doesn't, is not into like consistent details. Yeah, um, these these uh, communists throw a grenade at him, which is a real communist move. But the Hulk just catches it, squeezes it with his fist, and destroys it. He's much stronger now than he was in issues one and two. Like bullets didn't hurt him, but he also like 
you know, he would like throw one person or like shrug people off, but like these jumps and these uh, catching a grenade in your hand and the hand claps are much, much more extreme level of strength that we have not seen from the Hulk. Well, we're not seeing, you know, he's been locked in a cell all night sometimes, so maybe he's doing push-ups. Oh, yeah. You think he's he's got like a, what do you, what do you call the, the one-piece exercise equipment? Um, a Pelotron? Yeah, like he's got a Pelotron in there. A Peloton? Good for him. Um, after he crushes the grenade, the Kamiya's whip out a sonar gun. They whip him with sound rays, which does affect the Hulk, and he burrows underground to get away from the sound. Yeah, he burrows a lot of... Really, I mean, not every issue, but it is a common Hulk move to burrow. What's happening on this next page here? On top of page eight, he burrows underneath the the gun and like pulls the guy underneath, and the guy's <laughs> like, "What? No, stop! Help! That would be terrifying." Yeah, you're, you're, sitting there, you're shooting your gun at the Hulk, and all of a sudden, the Hulk's hands come up below you and pull you down. You're dead. You're dead. Um, and then a Hulk wrecks the spaceship. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the communists grab Rick Jones. They think a hostage is going to save them. That's right. Uh, and then a helicopter is coming to pick up the communists, so the Hulk disables the helicopter by throwing a piece of metal at its wheels, and the communists just give up. Hulk takes a couple of their belts, and he straps them together <laughs> like he's tying them all together, and then he flies away, carrying them like a sack of sticks. Yeah, and like um, ties them to the their helicopter so they can go home, I guess? Yeah, he just releases them. Now that he and Rick Jones are free, he lets them go. Uh, back at base, uh, the army generals are... The army generals show up to this mesa oh, right, right, and find right. the mongoose suit in the fake spaceship and realize the Hulk must have created this so that we would all think he's a hero. This mindless monster they've been fighting, they believe rigged it. It's a classic thing in Marvel Comics that, that you blame when the hero does something good, you think the hero arranged it just to make himself look good. Uh, and Banner just goes home, turns back into Banner, is weak again from being the Hulk and now being zapped two more times with gamma radiation and goes to take a long rest to the end. The end. Kevin. The issue is so crazy. It's so crazy. I have a question. Would you call those feature length stories? I mean, I guess I don't know what that phrase means. I don't either. But they are full stories. They're not to be continued, I guess. Yeah, so I guess they're feature length. And a lot happens in them. Yeah. You could adapt them into 90-minute movies if you wanted. I mean, when you use the word length, it seems to denote how many pages it is, which would be like a full story should be the only thing you would say is feature length, I would think. Right. Just by saying there's two feature length stories, it's like, well, that's impossible. Unless this comic is twice as long. Right. But uh, Stanley loves talking about the length of stories. Yeah. Um, um, well, that's our issue. These stories were crazy, man. These They're were, so crazy. Especially when you com- when you combine it with Last Issue, which had <laughs> such a seismic shift in what's going on in the Hulk. This is another seismic shift. It's so funny. I love it. Should we do our awards? Oh, yeah. Um, I don't I'm, know I c- if I have dialogue. Oh, I have some dialogue. Um, Let me hear yours. Well, I have to find it. Uh, my, I'll do my art first, which is the communist crawling out of the Mongol suit. Yeah, I mean, that is really funny. And it looks I'm gonna, cool, too. I'm going to pick, even though it's ridiculous, top of page nine, the Hulk flying, swooping up and picking up Rick Jones and going to the air. It looks unbelievably cool, but it is so much flying. <laughs> uh, for my dialogue, I'll pick that one I read before, the director. That's it, baby. You're doing fine. Keep it up. I never knew you could act so good. <laughs> That's my favorite dialogue of the issue. 
Um, okay, uh, then I'm going to take uh, uh, the easy choice of Thunderbolt Ross, uh, uh, demanding all personnel. <laughs> General Ross speaking, find Rick Jones, top priority, over and out. It's not necessarily the funniest line of dialogue, um, but uh, the intent of it is great. If it wasn't that, it'd be some caption about how the Hulk is flying. That's all I can think about when I read this issue is the flying stuff. It's all, it just grabs me. So funny. Um, do we have any email we should go over? I have one email. All right. Um, man, this comic was weird. Sorry. <laughs> uh, let's see. Where is that? There we go. Okay. I got one that we saved. This is from Nick Wood. Okay. Uh, love the new season. Love the last season so much that I bought way too much, too many Fantastic Four collections. <laughs> also, super psyched you're going back to reading each page. It really lets the zaniness of these comics come through. Thank you, Nick. Uh, I'm asking to write with you both, but really, Kevin, that's me, Will. Okay. Think about the way they ended Hulk's story in Avengers Endgame. You mentioned it briefly, but it was quite a dramatic turn from what people expected, and I know a lot of people weren't liking it, despite loving the rest of the movie. What did you think about the route they took with Professor Hulk? And what do you think about how that wraps up the Hulk's story since Ed Norton? I'm mixed about it. I think it makes a lot of sense and was really a smart way to wrap up the Hulk story and it puts in perspective all the confusing schizophrenic banner Hulk back and forth that was in the other Avengers movies. But on the other hand, I wish we could see the Hulk going crazy in that final battle or at least if we could see Professor Hulk get busy a little. It's just bittersweet that the last real MCU Hulk we got was in Ragnarok. Yeah. Uh, do you, you want to speak first about how you felt about uh, the Hulk's sort of storyline i like it as a temporary phase i just don't want him to stay there i want i want angry hulk back i agree angry hulk is more fun yeah professor professor hulk is uh uh, it's almost like comic relief in that it is interesting they talked a lot about how thor ragnarok and the two avengers movies would have like a like almost like a mini hulk movie within them but it seems like so much got cut out that it was just like glimpses of a movie that we didn't actually get to see right because the fact that we don't see him become professor hulk and come to like he becomes like a celebrity but we don't really see any of that happen that's where like the fun of that would be right is banner being like a superhero yeah like a rock star as as professor hulk we don't really see any of that we just sort of see that movie wouldn't be that different if it was just um mark ruffalo banner the whole time it's kind of like the comic book where um the comic book gets canceled in early Marvel days, and then Hulk just is a guest star in many other people's comics for a while, and that's kind of what's happened in the MCU. Yeah, it's it's a it's it is a slight bummer. I think the Hulk is so fun in the first Avengers movie. I mean, he doesn't he doesn't get to do a ton in the second movie, right. really. Right. He's great fun in Ragnarok, though. Yes, he's a blast, and I also am bummed because he is talking in Ragnarok, like he's doing full sentences, which is important to me as I've said in previous podcasts. Right. I want my Hulk to talk. And we don't really get to see that status quo ever again. Yeah. He barely turns into the Hulk in Infinity War. And then he's not really that Hulk in it. So it's like, oh, I really like that version. I wanted to see a little bit more of that. So for me, I almost would rather his storyline wasn't resolved so that we could just have more fun with that Hulk. Um, Right. But I also get it. It's like, it's a time jump and you want to show some changes happened. And if he's just the same Hulk, I don't know what we gain by that. Right. So I agree with Will. It's fun to see it. I kind of wish there was a solo movie where we see like the Professor Hulk lose control. Right. Uh, or something like that. And I just, but who knows what they're going to do next? Who knows right. how much Hulk we'll see anymore? 
he's one of the few characters that's still from the original Avengers that's still out there. So I am with you, Nick. I think it's a little disappointing. I don't think it was the most important thing. I didn't go into Endgame going, I hope I get a great Hulk story. I was hoping for a great Avengers story, and I think I got that. Uh, if I was looking for a Hulk story, I think I would have been disappointed. And really, Avengers Endgame is more of an Iron Man, uh, Captain America story than anything else. Yeah, so I, I think if I look at the Avengers movies, or really the MCU in a way, is the Tony Stark story uh, with Captain America as like his second leading man. It's very true, because like, really, it's not even a great Thor story. It's like a little Thor humorous thing. Right. He's got like a, He's got maybe a nice moment. But it's like, yeah, Thor's story's not done. Uh, Iron Man's story's done. Captain America's story's done. Hulk's story, I don't think, is done yet. Interesting, yeah. A good question. But thank you for emailing us, Nick. If other people want to email us, they should email us at screwitspidey at gmail.com. And we have an Instagram account, screwitcomics, and also screwitrecent. Screwitcomics will show panels from the comics we are analyzing on this podcast screw it recent is just stuff that kevin hines is uh, into talking about yeah that's right it's random um but i think those instagram accounts are great please check them out yeah read batman universe guys i tweeted uh i was posted out and screw it recent it was real fun <laughs> yeah that's our social media info yeah um i guess that's it well i guess that's it um, let's do this again sometime. Yeah, let's do it again. Kevin, good job. Next um, episode, we're going to do issue five. Yeah, this is like with a Tyrannus the Mighty, like a Roman emperor character. Classic Kerban. I'm sure he's got shorts. Sounds like a shorts uh, guy. Oh, yeah. No pants on him. Nice. All right. Um, we'll talk about that next week. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye. Screw it. Screw it. Screw it. Comics. Hey everybody, it's Michael McMillan and Bryce Johnson and Riley Bray of the Bigfoot Collectors Club, the show where we talk to amazing guests about their personal paranormal histories and share stories of high strangeness. Yeah. And we're coming to you tonight to tell you that we will be doing a live show in Los Angeles on February 17th at the Bigfoot Lodge in Los Feliz. If you guys haven't come to the Bigfoot Lodge, you've got to see it. And moreover, you've got to see us at the Bigfoot Lodge. The place is so cool and chill. It's 21 and over. Get a drink. Watch us do our show. You're going to love it. And it's free. That's right. Riley Bray will be playing some live music. We might have some surprise musical guests, some surprise guests, and some more surprises. Lots of surprises. You'll never know who's coming through our portal. So join us at the Bigfoot Lodge, February 17th in Los Angeles, 7 p.m. Be there or be unaware. (laughs) What? Paranormal. Paranormal.